Welcome back to New Persuasive Words. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bork. And here we are in a wintry northeaster. Northeaster. Northeaster afternoon. Yeah. This, this is, this is, I'm sure the president will blame Obama for this. Yeah, it was Obama's It's like everything else is Obama's fault. The, the Nor'easters. No, but it's, it's very, it's very interesting weather because it why started is, kind why of raining. Is not, why isn't attorney, why isn't Jeff Sessions not investigating the weather Exactly. Right now? Why isn't he? It's just dis- disgraceful. <laughs> why use the weather service? Use the AG lawyers. Prosecutory power. Somebody's got to go to jail for this Nor'easter. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's baby, it's it's windy outside, and uh, it was so weird too because it was like rainy, and then all of a sudden I looked out the window and it was snow. There was one point today there was rain coming one way and snow another. It's like the cosmos is trying to tell us something. And your wife was limbs were hitting your wife's car. I had I had to oh, big tree was down the road. This is crazy, crazy stuff. So those of you, particularly I guess north of us, are getting to worse. Be safe out there in New England and Long Island and. Uh, New York. Long, I remember Jerry Seinfeld was on Howard Stern a couple months ago. He says, you know, I feel like you, me, Baldwin, and O'Reilly. That's Long Island. Insecure in the shadow of Manhattan. Arrogant. A kind of be, overstated. Would that, be, would that be Alex Baldwin? Alex or, Baldwin. Or Alec Baldwin. Bring back Dale Hammond. Funnier, better talent. Alex Baldwin. We, we suffered having to watch it. Alex. I guess that was at like 5.45 in the morning. You wake up and that's the thing. You're the that's, leader of the free world. That's you think, the first thing you worry I about. I got to fire out something in that Alex Baldwin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, why Turkish journalists are going to jail for life. Uh, our Kurdish allies, we've turned our back on them. Uh, yeah, about to have a major riot in Jerusalem. Other than that, there's nothing really going on. Nothing really going Alex on. Alex Baldwin. Nothing really going on. John Hammond, it was funny, though. Was oh, there, he was great. He's great as Clinton, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's another thing we're not going to be telling Mrs. Clinton. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so at any rate, we're well today. Thanks to Nathan Smith for a great suggestion. He asked, "Have we ever talked about baptism?" Which I don't think we had. I don't think we've not devoted an episode to baptism. No, we're both baptized, by the way. As in, in case you're wondering, as a, I had a Southern Baptist Greek professor. He was a brilliant guy. Virgil Fry, where I don't even know what ever happened to him. I know he's driven out. This has made it. This Virgil, Virgil Fry, two two episodes back to back. back Virgil's back, Virgil made Fry, it. But I, this is uh, learning uh, Greek from a uh, from a very it's a big week for Virgil Fry. Very week for Virgil. In your Fry. life, there are probably years Virgil didn't get mentioned. There's two dec- times in decade, one decade. Decades, it's two decades, times in decades. one week. Anyway, Virgil used to say. Baptizo. There's no way you can get sprinkle out of it. It's dunk. You dunk the cloth and it's baptizo. I used to remember that. So there you go. There we go. But um, that was long ago. Baptizo. Baptizo. <laughs> I can't. You say it with a deep southern accent. Can't get sprinkle out of it. No way. <laughs> yeah, but we do. So uh, that's that's kick it off. So um, I'm trying. What was the initial? What what raised the question? Did you happen to? Bring that to mind and all. We maybe should have prepared a little bit about this. This is just a text message. It was huh. via text message. Here you go. Uh, it was, uh, you know, just in general. Oh, they actually had someone asked to be rebaptized. Oh, right. That was what happened. Uh, and, and, and apparently they've had issues with people leaving. They wanted their infant baptized, so they never asked. They assumed they knew their theology on this. So what kind of truth remind? But what? So what's the context here? What's the? So, uh, well, I guess it's just you know asking about baptism. Apparently, they you know 
there's been some questions around baptismal practice and all right so where should we start on this should we start on would you rebaptize someone no i would not either so there we go we got the <laughs> matter of fact i don't know um in fact there are a lot of ecumenical baptists who are even maybe some neo and about who actually ecumenical baptists yeah who actually would not all three of them. All three, I've heard of them who, who have not no, required rebaptism of people baptized as infants. I've never heard that. I've I, never, I've, I've heard a few. I've, I'm just saying. In all, I've never. I it's mean, probably not your Southern Baptists. No, but I, I even I had a a pretty a friend of mine who was going to join an American Baptist church, and the pastor was pretty progressive, and it was a non. He baptized as an infant in the Methodist church, and it was non negotiable that he he. I mean, they said you'd have to get baptized again, and and he. He refused to do it. So I, it wouldn't surprise me because everybody— is, is that a really thriving ABC church? I'd take whoever I could get if I was the American <laughs> Baptist Church. I mean, but, beggars I mean, can't be choosers. But that was their principle. I mean, that was actually—they they, they did not—I uh, mean, I respected the pastor for holding to his guns, and uh, and he won't—he uh, didn't— um, and neither did my friend was willing to back down on that. Uh, one, I, one, it was really. He was like Tom Petty of blessed memory. He wouldn't he would back not, down. Won't back down. Um, when I was doing my doctor work at Drew, there was a kind of a group of us. That did, it was really kind of a fun bunch. We did different things together. We actually went to retreat. One was a high church Lutheran who since has become a Roman Catholic. One was a Methodist who also <laughs> since became a Roman Catholic. Uh, one another one was a Pentecostal. Methodists who have since become independent and then Catholics too. Independence one for converts from the main line. <laughs> and then some of us just, you know, went on to ruin our careers. But at any rate, um and uh and there were some Episcopalians too. One guy I think who became a bishop. But I had a person who came to me who had been baptized. He thought he had been baptized as a as a Mormon. Or whatever they do in that, and so you could be baptized as Mormon because they do oh, vicarious right, baptism yeah, yeah. after I'm dead. Yeah, if you have any, wait, I, you don't do that when you're living. You can get, you can get, you know, a proxy baptisms done when you're dead. But can I get a proxy right now? While I'm living. No, I Just, think you have to be dead if you're going. If you're living, you have to go straight what up. Good does it do me, what does it do me? What good does it do me when I'm dying? Wouldn't now? Well, I know, but all right, I'm not going to get into the. I don't. I don't know any of you. All of our more any of our Mormon listeners, you can just help us clarify this. By and, the way, that is one of the most interesting texts about in First oh, yeah. Corinthians. 15. The only people, the only baptized people, for the dead. The only people doing anything about it are the Mormons. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Any rate, so the question was: Okay, if the person had whatever the baptismal ceremony is for for a Mormon, the question is: Is Mormonism a Christian heresy? Or is it a different religion? Because if it's a Christian heresy, he wouldn't have to be baptized. The person, the person came to me wanted to be baptized, and I was asking, "Well, do you were you baptized as a child infant?" He didn't know. He did. He said, "But I was baptized as as a Mormon." He said, "But he was kind of renouncing that and wanted to be baptized as a Christian." So all these Episcopalian, Lutheran, all these, uh, and and most of us were doing patristics or medieval, so we all kind of were interested in this stuff. And talked to those guys. None of those guys had had answers. So I called a Roman Catholic theologian friend of mine, and uh, he came back and he said, "This wasn't one of your Lutheran or Methodist converts." No, it's right? straight up one. <laughs> and, <laughs> said, and none of you know nobody had. No one could really. No one had an answer. So the Roman Catholic person said, "Just go ahead and do a provisional baptism." Guys. <laughs> But no, the point, it's like it's like in the vote with the if there's a voter ID, ID question or something. 
You cast a provisional ballot. Yeah. Just to cast a provisional baptism. Well, there is, because well, that's what you do if you don't know if the person was baptized or not. Um, but it was an interesting question. The question Just is, use a super soaker, quick. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. <laughs> the yeah. question is, okay, what, I mean, part of it was coming from all of us taking baptism very seriously. And so, and partially, to me, helping this person also make sense of his faith journey that, and, uh, but we did. We end up um, we end up baptism. He wanted to be baptized by immersion, so we end up doing it in one of our elders' swimming pools. That's <laughs> it was it was a fascinating journey. But nonetheless, he did raise certain questions about what is the nature of baptism, and and uh, again, as a as a Presbyterian person in the Reformed tradition, you know, we we honor those infant baptisms, and I think that's important. So I, I got a scenario to throw at you. So uh, on yeah. seminary, when I was doing my MDiv. I, so my buddy, a buddy of mine, I wanted to, you know, we were having lunch and I said, you got to ha- have lunch with this guy, Brent Waters, who was a Harawas student and Harawas said, when Harawas and I had written some letters and talked and said, you know, go, go connect with Brent. Brent was running this business and starting for like business, culture, technology kind of thing. He said, his background was theological ethics. I said, Brent, Brent, what, what are you working on these days? Like, well, you know, like, tell me something interesting. He says, well, all right, let's just imagine one day, a couple of decades from now, you guys, you're in a congregation and. You don't get many visitors. Somebody comes in. They're very interesting. They're sort of more with it, more spiritually engaged. They show up a few Sundays. They're you know they're just a really vibrant kind of person, and you really connect. They want to have lunch with you. you really connect, and they want to. They want to really. They don't have much of a faith background, but they found your preaching interesting. They're engaged, and they want to know more about the Christian faith. So say okay, start maybe with the Gospel of Mark. The next week they come back and they've read the Gospel of Mark, and they say they want to be baptized, and then they tell you they're an android. What do you do? To my buddy goes, why are we having a lot of talk with this guy? I'm a Today guy, baptizing robots and shit. <laughs> Come on. No, but that is interesting because you think of something like Blade Runner and these things like... Our, our Westworld. Yeah, Westworld, right? So what do you do? If somebody wants to get baptized, an android, what do you do? They're probably, you know, what they... What, <laughs> Anointing in oil is more appropriate mechanically. <laughs> the uh, Well, the episode left with them taking over taking over the the whatever that was in Westworld, right? They, yeah. Yeah, no spoiler alerts here, but... Maybe you know, you know, the season two will begin with there's missionaries going exactly. through to uh, convert them. I don't know. Maybe who knows? Good, quite interesting. Assume question. we have a few decades to deal with that, though. A few, a little bit of time. Yeah. I want to take a brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning, afternoon, or evening routine, or while you're exercising, or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Do you tune into it? because of the conversations you find here. If the answer to the aforementioned questions is yes, or even just a solid maybe, would you do something for me? Would you consider becoming a Patreon sponsor of the podcast for just five bucks a month or more? It's for a good cause. You can help this podcast and one of the many others I do keep going. And you can help launch several other podcast projects I've got in the works Being a Patreon sponsor is really just you being a patron of an art form you enjoy and are passionate about. So I invite you to be a patron through Patreon of this, which I think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy. Again, any contribution is welcome, but for five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call, which begins right now. Thank you, David and Winona Babico, Michael Butera, Peter Stegenwald, Samantha Blythe, Sari Graham, 
Jordan and Danny Morseberger, Josh Redder, Ellis Brazil, David Zoll, Jonathan Butrin, Ben DeHart, Stephen Rowe, Ben Crosby, John Schneider, Stephen Lipless, Charlotte Donlin, Larry Rule, and Barry Stewart. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening. And now back to the show. Well, let me ask this question. Okay. You, you, um, still practice infant baptism, believe in it as a Bart scholar. You know, we, uh, I think Bart's completely out to lunch on this, but all right. Well, so let's talk about that a little bit because this not only touches because some of our Anabaptist, neo Anabaptist friends are empowered by late Bart. So, Tell me why Bart's out. Do to we lunch. have we have one neo Anabaptist? Do you know anybody else that calls themselves neo Anabaptist? No, he's the only one I know that calls himself. Yeah, a so I'm just saying. <laughs> why don't you just call yourself a Baptist? Right. Yeah, it's really what they are. Yeah. 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 Anyway, but and there's nothing wrong with that. No. Some of them, I have good friends that are Baptists. <laughs> Wait, one that won't baptize your Methodist friends. Right. right. One that won't baptize my Methodist friends. Uh, yeah. So I think. So this is interesting. Like I was thinking about this because we talked about doing this, I think, yesterday, and I was thinking a little bit about. It, and I thought my own baptismal theology it could be called eclectic, could be called schizophrenic, like depending on how you look at it. But or we could just call it Scott's it's own exactly, baptismal it's theology. theology. Right? It's, it's Scott's own. <laughs> no, but I think that that so on one level, right? Bart has something like a more traditional Reformed sacramental understanding of baptism early on in his career. In fact, he says all baptism is infant baptism. It's a picture of how we all come right helpless screaming like you know at different levels of that helplessness in, in human development but it's you know on the relative to the creator and the creature we're all it all baptism in baptism and then you know some of it is is his relationship with the son marcus and also i mean certain bart scholars would say that like bruce mccormick from volume 2-2 everything runs down like water from a duck's back so every decision after volume 2-2 and his doctor of election it all kind of makes you know i i i i would not contend that necessarily but but I think that Bart gets to this position where the only sacrament is Christ. And so, I mean, I think that that's... But I think with Bart's idea of universal election, that everyone is just in, in Christ, I think when you baptize someone as an infant, you're actually bearing witness to what's true about the whole human race. That the whole human race is created in Christ. There's not two kinds of people. You know, there's not like sheep and goats out there. There's only one elect one and all elect in Christ and one rejected one for the world. So I think... It's weird because I see kind of an, a weird interior logic to Bart's own understanding of election. I would go a really different way with it around, ba- around questions of baptism. Also, I mean, it's interesting because one of the critiques of Bart it, among some people is that for Bart, salvation is merely noetic. Like every, everyone is in Christ or everyone is elect in Christ. And so what happens when you become a Christian is you just know something that the rest of the world doesn't know, but but it's funny because because you know something that you know a reality that is true for everybody. Yeah, and but it's funny because Colin Gutton, his great essay on Bart on salvation in it's the Cambridge Companion to Bart, I think says, but yeah, but it's Erkentness in German. I mean, and through the knowledge comes the transformation. I mean, it's not just like a you know, oh, Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. So what? I mean, it's a, it's a sort of self transforming, self involving knowledge. So so there is that in my head, right? And then the other thing. I think like Peter Lightheart has a great book on baptism mm. called The Baptized Body. He's written a lot on baptism, but he he sort of holds to what he would say is baptismal regeneration because he thinks if if relationships are constitutive of reality, if if you if you are as a human being so deeply identified by your relationships that you know as as father or friend or husband or neighbor or pastor or citizen, like you can't. It's hard to abstract 
a person from their identities that he says, you know, when you're baptized, your story is no longer like, I'm Peter born in Alabama. It's my father was a wandering Aramean. Right. And so you have this kind of, so I, I mean, I think now it's funny because Peter would say that even if you reject the faith, you still are baptized. You're an apostate. Right. You're not just a non-believer or something. It's just like if you reject your citizenship, you're an expatriate. It's right. not like you can, you can ch- completely erase that part of your story. Even your rejection of your home country becomes part of the definition uh, in your independence from it. Right. And so those kind of things, like, so I, if I think like if you, and that's, and, and by the way, Lightheart's reaffirming or reiterating in some different ways what the early church believed. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things too, I think that is. I don't know what the Roman Catholic church believed. Sure. I mean, and, and, and what Lightheart wants to do is take a different, it's really interesting in his, in, in some of the stuff he's written about community. He's saying, you know, the problem is the more the church develops in sort of antiquity, the more he calls like sacraments go from a, a wide angle lens to a zoom angle lens. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like in Paul in first Corinthians, the end of first Corinthians, he's thinking about participants and relationships and the whole, but you know, where it gets into more and more what's happening between the individual believer, the recipient, the elements and the, and the celebrant. He thinks the zoom angle lens tells us a lot more and that's more how the Bible tends to think about things. And so he's trying to sort of oftentimes go zoom angle on things like baptism and right. the Eucharist. The other thing, just one final and thought. Well, finish the zoom angle. I mean, I mean, go wide angle rather. Right, wide angle. Yeah. Wide, I mean, he's trying to think about like the whole covenant. The yeah, and, and you know, and there's and, and you think about like what's not representative. Like when you have bread and wine, what's not represented by that? Science, agriculture, government, <laughs> like metallurgy, steel. Our chalices might cost more now because of the tariffs. <laughs> you know, but like the whole world literally is on the altar, like on the table. I mean, you're also you are actually offering. Thanksgiving for all of in modern society, like all of creation, because it's all there in some right. ways, just by these films. The other thing I think is, and, and and by the way, I think that's something you know what reaffirms that is those kind of ceremonies predate Christianity. And yeah, you, yeah, I mean this idea of humans have been offering libation and bread, you know, ever since. And there are things that take communal reality in time. Yeah, like it, it's it would be different if it was water and bananas, right? Like it doesn't or water it and like if something that grows on a tree, like those things take refinement in time. They take right. You know, it's, it's is it isn't the Odyssey or, or where where does Odysseus like just they see the giants and they're kind of offended because the giants just their wine it's just like they take a sour grape the Cyclops they just take a big sour grape and just pop it in their mouths like <laughs> and there's like there's no, there's no refinement you know yeah. there's the other thing I think where someone like Calvin is not instructive for thinking about things like baptism and sacraments in general is I think you Calvin does a section on sacraments in general. Mm-hmm. And then does baptism and Eucharist, but like it's really hard. I, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily helpful to think about baptism and the Eucharist under first an umbrella category, where you're thinking about well, what's the nature of this kind of you know? Because I think that that they're 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 different realities, and I think that the they they are both different ways in which we're united to Christ through the Spirit. Right, but that they, he's but he's also taking the Reformation to bed. Sure, yeah. sure. And I just think that's something to think about. Right, right. As we... They're t- two different ways. They're two different things. Yeah, and I just think that that kind of... Oftentimes that sort of blanket placeholder... Because in the back of our heads, one will become normative for the other. Right. No. It's like when you say, what's a sport? Is bowling a sport? Yes. No. Is, is NASCAR right. a sport? No. So, it's one of those things like a term like sport. And then we, when, whenever we do that, say, what's really a sport? Usually we have one or two sports that are norming the whole discussion. Right. 
And so usually one of those sacraments is somehow going to norm, oftentimes the Eucharist, is going to norm the discussion for the whole thing. Because, well, most of the time when we say, when we say well, what about the sacrament? When you, or when you say sacrament, you're talking Eucharist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that, yeah, it's in, at some levels, that's why Augustine's, I think, is more helpful under sacraments, the idea of the sacramental nature of things. And I think in some levels, I, I think getting back to that is actually a, a um, getting, getting out of the argument of the numbers and what const- you know, how many there are and what constitutes them. I think the idea of a, a sacramental approach to a lot of things, that doesn't make, take away the uniqueness of things. But I would say from an Augustinian perspective, and baptism has a different place because it is the initiation right absolutely in other words it's how where it all begins and you know i think sometimes it's assumed um in certain circles and then in other circles it becomes the you know the be all end i mean you know i was i was someone who considered himself a christian as a child and i was not you know and my church did and i wasn't baptized until i was 15 or 16 uh it just wasn't that it wasn't emphasized in my congregation and you know i remember um Part of the Young Life training program, Davies, who uh, was he was teaching in England at the time, but he ended up at University of Toronto, and he was teaching a Christology class, great class. And uh, of course, Young Life guys are you know all over the map on things. And one guy goes, ah, "Doctor Davies, um, baptism is it a big deal or not? <laughs> is it a big deal or not?" I thought the guy was. I thought the professor was going to have a stroke. Uh, and this leads because this leads to something like that. Says he says the New Testament never speaks of salvation apart. From baptism, and I think, at least in terms of, I an, think that's absolutely right. An initiation, and and aren't you right, Argus? I think he's right. In Romans ten, it says, "Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart." Confess with your mouth probably is the baptismal confession. Yeah, and yeah. also in Ephesians, if you if you think of the early church when they would have said in Christ, yeah, 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 that that would have been, that would have been, in their mind that would have been that's what I was baptized into. <laughs> Lightheartness book says, let's just assume for a minute that. When the Bible says baptism, it usually means water. Like, like you know, because like, what happens with baptizo? What happens is like with a lot, and usually it's Protestants, and usually more conservative Protestants. But then, well, there's all these kinds of baptisms. Well, Paul's not talking about real bad. You know, so you have all these. Ba- oh, right. So you get away from like. Well, the Pentecostals this, have lots of baptisms. Yeah, you get away from this realistic language. Yeah. Because you kind of have this sort of. The, it's funny because Lightheart in one of his essays says that the basically the, it's a, you know it, this is rhetorical flair mm-hmm. but he says the beginning of modernity is when he, I think he uses Wingler or something in this process of of tearing apart the sign from the thing signified right and I mean I think that kind of rela- that relationship where they're where they're I mean they there it is they are distinct in the sense of but they're not pulled apart I mean right. they they have the sign yeah so. Yeah, you know, one of the things I think, um, and this may be is a question for some of the folks, different churches represented in the discussion, and this is certainly the neo-Anabaptist critique that associates baptism, infant baptism, with some sort of Christendom. But Lightheart certainly is not doing that in terms of, and if you want to be a biblical Christian, you know, to understand that baptism is so tied into that. Now, I actually think you know, the future, let's see, in the next, you know, several generations of ministry in this country, you're you're going to some way get back to an early church situation because you're going to have larger numbers of people who have not been baptized. Yeah. I mean, I'm working in a small congregation right now, but I've done five adult baptisms since I've been there, you know, so four or five. And because there's people coming who don't have any, have not come from any faith background. So on one level, I think I've always thought that, um, and, and, and 
most of my churches, you know, every year, even though we were um, you know, baptized infants, there would be uh, some kind of adult baptism, um, a confirmation kid who wasn't baptized, new people coming in who didn't have any church background. And for me, it was always powerful to be able to do both those things for in the life of a congregation in the course of a year, because one, it demonstrated we're still doing evangelism. There are people who <laughs> have reminded us that, no, we don't live in a— we don't. Li- we live in a post-Christian culture, and also that we're talking to the right people. Some we're bringing in some of the right people. Yeah, and and so this idea of baptism associated with a, an expressed faith um, with the adult convert was was a very powerful thing, and that's also why we took our confirmation process very seriously. Because if you baptize infants, you need to you, you need to have some sort of baptism class of, uh, or confirmation class. Well, I actually think I would rather replace, and I even use the language confirmation. I, it's just every Christian should be, there should be a catechetical journey for the, all of life. Uh, no, I, I agree with that too. But I think specifically, I mean, we would have, you know, you know, there was years where we had, we always did with ninth graders. And so there'd be years we had 20 kids had been baptized, <clears throat> you know, 15, 20 kids had been baptized. And, had, you know, and also, you know, there was a strong, we did a lot of youth ministry. So there was a lot of opportunity for kids to be challenged in their faith. And so this the, we treated the confirmation, the catechism, that process as saying, okay, there has to be a point where you need to say yes for for the faith that was that stood around you when you were baptized. And we every year we'd have what well, I think part of the success of our program would be every year we'd have some kid, you know, one or two, you know, or more say, no, I'm not doing that. And to me, that was part of the taking seriously the vows that were made, you know, around them when they were baptized, that someday they were going to make this their own. Now, I always, you know, what I like about Lightheart, you know, this idea of uh, the apostate, you know, the person's baptized, any of us who've had to do funerals uh, for people whose um, faith relationship uh, was a questionable one, you know, to me, with integrity, you know, I never make someone say I'm better than they were. I don't pretend. But if they were baptized, I stand on their baptism. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I think that's, to me, not a sloppy universalism at all. I think it's actually— No, I, mean, I used to say something, like when I would, get, I would, I would baptize infants, I've said to people, like, you know, I'm going to give you this baptism certificate. And it's going to seem weird, but it's like a passport. Like any place where your child goes, whether it's New York or Egypt or Greece— or, you know, Norway, there are going to be Christians there. And this is their passport. Say, hey, I'm part of, you know, and, and when they need mercy and fellowship and this. And so this can't be undone, but it can be forsaken. Right. And so your call as a parent is to teach the child not to forsake um, the mercy and, and grace and presence God's given them, you know, in their baptism. Absolutely. You know, for me, my own Christian experience in non, in a Baptist back, well, it, was, it wasn't a Baptist church, but it, its view of baptism was Baptist. But my my life experience of never, there was never a time where I didn't love Jesus. I mean, from the my my memory. You know, matter of fact, I was told I was brought to church when I was one week old. So for me— How was that service for you? <laughs> it's a little cold. It's chilly. Yeah. It's chilly that day. But— um, but no, the whole the whole thing being that my life had been surrounded by grace, and though I was exposed to kind of uh, both revivalistic, a Billy Graham kind of Christianity, since he's being laid to rest today, right? Yes. Um, that so you, they were constantly trying to get you to have some kind of experience. So that created a kind of dynamic in my spiritual life. It took a while to get over. But one of the things I think there was never a time where I didn't love Christ, and I you know the same thing with my. Um, 
Um, the same thing with my kids. There was a time where they were always surrounded. So this idea, I think, even in a post-Christian world, where you have these smaller communities of faith often that are loving places, uh, places of affinity, um, then I think the power of the covenant baptism is even stronger in these in these communities. At some levels, we are we are more visibly you know, <laughs> strangers and aliens in our current society. I, I you know. I have a congregation that have a lot, a significant number of older people, and then we've had an influx of children. And it's very powerful that the baptism of those kids uh, uh, and their inclusion in the faith. And now, you know, I've made a big deal about it, but so they're in Sunday school for about half the service. But I've, they, you know, the parents going and when we do communion, getting them, bringing them back, it's created a whole different, it's created a great little dynamic in this little family church. So, um, I think it's 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 a practice that uh, is not uh, to be questioned this time. At some levels, I think it's an opportunity for us to re reaffirm this idea of relational, covenantal relationships and and the power of of what's been done in Christ. Yeah, and I think I'm for also. I think all baptism should be baptizo immersion uh, <laughs> in the sense of you know the Eastern Orthodox immerse infants, and it's not cute. Like the, you know, the worst thing, like oh no, they're they're, they're intense. Man. Yeah, but but you know that symbolizes dying, rising with Christ, yeah, and and what you do is you're killing your child, right? You're saying that I, I, my child has to die so that they cannot just be my son or daughter, but also brother and sister, so that they're not just old Adam but new Adam. And so there's a death and resurrection that even the child of covenant parents has to undergo to be a sibling, not just a child. Absolutely. And I think that the beauty of that imagery. And again, this old kind of appearance used to say, like, you know, improve on or put on your baptism or, you know, like, mm-hmm. so this, it's, that's the perpetual Christian life, right? Dying yeah. and rising. And, you know, the Anglican the Episcopal rite for baptism, and I think other groups, Methodists have brought this in and other mainline groups as well. But the reaffirmation of your own baptismal vows is a powerful part of the liturgy. I mean, that's the ongoing, I mean, to me, that's what I, 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 Really love the Episcopal baptism because it you're in, you really are making you're reaffirming your own faith and you're remembering your baptism and and I think it's a powerful thing to do and it's also you're reaffirming your solidarity with this child yeah yeah it's a powerful thing and with one another in Christ absolutely well thanks friends remember your baptism and for those in the Northeast it will be easier because there's water all around and we are more than open to do part two and so all our Baptist brothers and sisters. Feel free to respond. Thank you, and God bless. God bless. Face the burning heat. I just think about my baby. I'm so full of love, I could barely eat. There's nothing sweeter than my baby. I'd never want once from the cherry tree. Cause my baby's sweet as can be. She'd give me two flakes just from kissing me. When my Time comes around, lay me gently in the cold dark earth. 